Community Church, hope you're doing well today. Here we are on week number six, I think it is. Sunday number six, not meeting together. That's crazy to me, but uh, we're praying for you all. And uh, if you have anything that you, you have going on that you're not letting us know, please email us or call us, and we'd love to respond to that as quickly as we can. A couple of announcements before we get started with the worship service this morning. First, uh, I decided to go in a little bit of a different direction for the next few weeks. Hopefully, it'll last about the length of time that we'll be uh, not meeting together to uh, look at uh, the the Word of God and the ways of God. I'm going to do that by looking at the life of Peter. And so we're going to look at today uh, the book of Acts and how Peter responded to the, the Word of God, this great news about the empty tomb and how that shaped the landscape of his life. And then the next few weeks, we're going to look at the book of First Peter, which is towards the end of his life, and he's just giving advice to uh, new believers, people who are in the second generation. We're just, so we're just going to listen to him and learn from him in the next few weeks, so you can be prepared for that. Uh, the one thing that's a little bit different about this week is at the end of the sermon, there's going to be some questions. I got a lot of feedback from people saying uh, because they're watching it at home, they're able to just to sit and process the sermon right at that moment. Uh, so I'm asking these questions during the sermon, but I thought it would be good to post them at the end so you could just press pause and you could uh, go through as many of those questions as you want to. I think that could be helpful to you. Again, we're always looking for feedback, so anything that you can let us know by text or email is helpful to us. Second, uh, generosity and giving. Really, Christ Community Church, well done. We are actually uh, above giving the last five weeks than we were the, the, those same five weeks last year when we were meeting. So really, really, uh, I know all the glory goes to the Lord, but he uses people and you guys have been so faithful. So thank you for that. You've been giving online. A lot of you transitioned to that. Some of you have been doing text to give and a lot of you have just mailed things in. So uh, keep it up. Well, well done. Thank you very much. Uh, we're doing this week and then subsequent weeks while we're not meeting together a Facebook watch party. Now, look, me, I've done these things all the time. I'm kind of a pro at this kind of stuff. <laughs> but and look, I've never done one. But this is what you're apparently supposed to do. You're supposed to go on the uh, Christ Community Church web or Facebook um, site and at 10 o'clock. And it's not live. It's everybody watching the recording at the same time. And you'll be able to see people kind of. Uh, log on to that. So if that's something that you would be excited about doing, you can do it this week at 10 a.m. or subsequent weeks as well, and we'll see how that rolls out. Finally, I wanted to just, uh, you know, as this crisis, we're still in the middle of it, uh, goes by, I want to think about sweet moments. And uh, I got a great email from Leslie Owens this morning, this Saturday morning. And she was telling me about a girl that she had met in the tutoring program a few years ago. And she, Leslie is sort of uh, latched on in a very great way to a group of middle school girls the last few years. And one of the girls named Elizabeth has moved to California and Leslie continues to keep up with her. And, and Elizabeth called her just recently saying, I'm, I'm looking for ways to, to help me spiritually and uh, Leslie got her in touch with uh, Liz Cooper. And so Elizabeth and her mom are now living in California, and they're going to this week tune into the service and the sermon and listen to it to our Spanish translation. So isn't that, isn't that awesome? 
Uh, and Leslie had said, uh, uh, our little effort of outreach just keeps growing. So I, I, I appreciate Leslie's effort in that, Lizzie's effort, the translator's effort. I mean, this is a real team effort. Uh, and I hope you get joy, just like I do, thinking of, of this young middle school girl uh, listening to the sermon and being together with us in a different way in California. I love you guys. Anything we can do to help, don't, don't forget to call us, and we'll be praying for you, and hopefully we'll be back together soon. Goodbye. Hello, Christ community. We sure do miss seeing everyone's smiling face every week, but we are so appreciative of Paul's sermons. But as George would say, we're tired of being bedside Baptist and hope to get back to a live sermon soon. Until then, we can't wait to see what he has to say this week. Take care, everyone, and stay safe. Hey, Christ Community family. It's the Caldwells. We just wanted to come on and say hi. We miss everybody so much. We miss our wonderful church family, but we cannot wait to watch the sermon um, with everybody on Sunday. We hope to see you all soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, Christ Community Church. This is Scott reporting to you from my pajamas outside. This is awesome. Um, I can finally wear shorts in church and not be judged. Um, I miss you guys, and I can't wait to be with you again. Enjoy the sermon. Hello, Christ Community Church. We miss you. We can't wait to hear the sermon this week, and we can't wait to see you all again soon. Hey, Christ Community. It's the Davises here. Paul looks really good on TV, but I think he looks even better in person. So we can't wait to see you guys all together again. We really miss you guys, but we can't wait to watch this week's sermon. See you soon. Hello, Christ Community Church. We are the Bosco Johns. We just wanted to take a moment to say uh, hello and to uh, say that we hope you are all doing well. I know one of the things that Laura and I have been realizing over the past few weeks is that it's easy for us to uh, take for granted the fact that we can meet together every Sunday. I think sometimes between trying to uh, pick out outfits and trying to make sure we have matching pairs of shoes for the boys and uh, trying to have conversations as they're running circles around us screaming and getting them to the classrooms and dealing with the tears and tantrums when we can't go play in the playground. Uh, it's easy for us to feel like sometimes going to church is, is a bit of a chore. It's just a checklist to, to mark off when it's done. But um, I know we've, we've gained a new... Uh, appreciation for, for all of you and, and for actually being able to, to see you on Sunday. So I know we look forward to the day when we finally get to all be together again. But until then, uh, thanks for joining us here in the, the video and uh, we hope you are, are doing well and we'll, we'll see you soon. Bye. 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 Hey everybody, it's good to see all of your smiling faces with those recordings this week. Um, Maybe you feel like we are able to worship together a little bit. So thanks for sending those in. Um, hope you had a great Easter celebrating the risen Christ. And um, today we're going to sing one song before the sermon um, to get us prepared for, um, for hearing that. And this song is one that we all really know well. It's Cornerstone. And um, just remember that through this time in the pandemic that um, the weak are made strong because Christ alone is our cornerstone. And through the storm, he's Lord of all. Let's sing this together. built on nothing less 
Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but only trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the same love and through the storm he is Lord Lord of all when darkness seems to hide his face when darkness seems to hide his face I rest on his unchanging grace in every the sermon. Hello church family, it's my privilege to do the scripture reading for this week's sermon and I want to say on behalf of the Holdsworths that we really miss all of you and look forward to being together soon. Uh, we're going to be reading two passages this week. The first is from 1 Peter chapter 1 and then the second passage is from Acts chapter 15. 
First uh, Peter chapter one verse three through five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And now let's flip over to Acts chapter 15, verses 6 through 12. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent. I don't know if you uh, saw in the news this week this article about a man from Indiana who was waiting on his stimulus check, and he went to the ATM machine and found out that he had $8.2 million in his checking account. A guy named Charles Calvin, he's a firefighter, volunteer firefighter. He went to go get money out of the ATM machine, so he puts his card in, he gets his $200 back, he looks down at his balance. His balance is $8.2 million. He couldn't believe it. So he sticks his card back into the machine, and sure enough, he finds out he's a millionaire eight times over. But what did he do next? He, he called his bank. Called his bank. Shouldn't have done that, but he calls his bank to find out what's happened. And, of course, the bank confirms that uh, he didn't actually have $8.2 million. It was a mistake. But he did have $1,700 into his bank account. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Talk about an air-out-of-a-balloon kind of moment. And here's, here was his quote. Here was his takeaway. It was a bummer. <laughs> you think? I mean, it's a bummer. You find out instead of $8.2 million, you have $1,700. And he said, you, you go from being a millionaire one second to back to your same broke lifestyle in another second. Imagine that. You, you receive some life-changing news. You, it's really beyond your imagination. You can't imagine what you've just received. And then something happens. It seems like it's not real. It, the, the news becomes distant in some way. And then you just kind of go back to your same broke lifestyle. I think this kind of whiplash can happen at Easter. You, you come to Easter Sunday, you think about the resurrection of Christ, you think about all the value of that, way more valuable than $8.2 million. But, but something happens. Something happens. Monday happens, Tuesday happens, Wednesday happens. And the, the resurrection, all the value of the resurrection somehow seems to fade. It doesn't impact your everyday life and you... You go back to your same broke lifestyle. 
Think about that. Jesus comes. He, he hasn't just come to conquer death. He's actually come to give life. He's holding life in His hand. John 10, 10. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And here, here He is outside the tomb handing out life for anyone who would take it. He hasn't just defeated death. He's actually handing out life. It's, inc- it's an incredible offer. And yet somehow... The week after Easter, we're sort of back to our same broke lifestyles. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning. When we we stopped last week, we stopped in Luke chapter 24, where uh, Peter was in this closed room, and he and the other disciples met Jesus. And they met Jesus, and if you remember, Jesus said, I want to make sure you know I'm I'm really here. I'm not just a spirit. Here are my hands. Here's, Here's my feet. Touch them. I'm not like a spirit. And then if you remember, he says this. Then he says to them, verse 44, Luke chapter 24, these are my words. See, I want, guys, I need you to remember my word. Yes, you're going to see my hands and feet, but my word has already been spoken. I spoke it while I was with you, he says. And then he goes back and says, everything in the Old Testament, this is how he says it, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Everything in this old story is landing right here. All these words, I've said them to you, and it's all been in the Bible. And he says this, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer, and on the third day he should rise again from the dead. So this is the tremendous news. This is the great $8.2 million gift, Such much more valuable than that. And so what Jesus wants his disciples to do is to totally trust in his word. What he wants his disciple, what he, what he wants from his disciples is the same thing God wanted from Adam and Eve. He wanted Adam and Eve to totally trust his word. Even when God wasn't around, he wanted Adam and Eve to say, I can trust your word. And Jesus wanted his disciples to trust his word just like he wants you and I to trust his word. Even if he's not around, you, you can trust his word. You can trust His Word. And if you trust in His Word, then that's going to be displayed by walking in His way. So we're in a new series here between now and hopefully June 1st when sometime we're back together. And the the series title is, Is His Word His Way? If If we've really trusted in His Word, then that's going to walk itself out by us walking in His way. And there's proof that Peter gives that a transformation happens. He doesn't just believe the word, he he walks the word out. Peter is sold out. Something happens from Luke chapter 24 into the book of Acts. He doesn't, Peter doesn't leave this room and go back to his old broken lifestyle. And let me give you just a, a sense of that from the text that was read to you this morning in 1 Peter chapter 1. This is the letter that he's writing towards the end of his life. And he says this in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again into a living hope. You see that for Peter? It's real. It's real. It's not just something that he's going to cash in on when he dies. No, this is a living hope. This is something something that affects him after he leaves that room. His walk is different. Verse 4, 
to an inheritance. He's caused us to be born again, not only into a living hope, but into an inheritance, a future that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading. This is the $8.2 million. This is far more valuable than that. that. That this is an imperishable, undefiled, unfading gift that God gives us. And notice in verse 5, who by God's power he is guarding over it. So God is actually guarding this great gift. It's, there's no way that you can put your ATM card into Jesus and find out one thing, and then when you put it back in again, somebody swoops in and takes it away. That's not possible here. God himself is actually guarding it. So for Peter, this is real. The word is real. He's, he's sold out. And the news of the resurrection re- reshapes the landscape of Peter's life. And I want to look at that transformation by just looking at three different events in the book of Acts that show you, that give you proof of purchase for Peter. That he really has trusted in God's word because now he's walking in a different way. And the way you see it in these three uh, events is Peter stands up. He has to take a stand And that's what I'm going to be asking you to do this morning, to examine yourself, examine your heart. Where do you need to take a stand to to exhibit proof of purchase that you trust in God's Word? Acts chapter 2, you can turn there with me. Acts chapter 2, very critical chapter in the Bible, a transition from the from the, the Gospels into the Acts of the Disciples. And a very unusual event happens in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of God falls on the disciples and enables them to preach the Word in foreign languages. In Acts chapter 2, there was a great pilgrimage, hundreds of thousands of people coming to Jerusalem. And really from, from all the surrounding areas that they would speak different languages. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to visit Queens, New York. But Queens, New York is supposed to be the, the place where more foreign languages are spoken than any other city. And I looked it up this week, 800 different languages are spoken in Queens, New York. Imagine that. So here, here 800 different language, languages coming to Jerusalem, and the, the disciples are given this miraculous ability to speak in these foreign languages and they're going to proclaim the gospel because God wants the gospel now to go out into every tribe and tongue and nation and it begins here in Acts chapter 2 and Peter at the end of this great sermon in chapter 2 verse 39 he says this promise is for all those who are far off so you can't you can't get too far away for the grace of God to reach out and change your life. What a moment. But there were skeptics in attendance. People mocked the disciples. People said, hey, I think these guys have been drinking pretty early this morning, so their speech is slurred. They're they're just making fun of these guys. And I absolutely love chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, notice this, standing with the eleven, he lifted up his voice. I, love, I, just, I just imagine that picture. Somehow Peter and the disciples are sitting down somewhere. Maybe they're in the, in the temple area. And this is all taking place. 
and, and some guys come in from the side and they start mocking, they start making fun. And they, the, these 11 guys now who are sitting maybe on this one row, they look at each other and, and they have to, this is the moment. What are they going to do? Are they going to cower away like they had previously done just a few days before? Or are they going to stand up? And Peter and the 11, Peter the leader, he stands up first and he, he lifts up his voice and he begins to proclaim the gospel to these people. It's a, it's a great moment. Peter has to learn what you and I have to learn as well is that you're going to have to stand up to outside criticism. Your faith is going to have to be bigger than your fear. Peter's not going to go back to his old, broken lifestyle. I have a, a good friend who was a missionary in Ireland for several years. And the way he would do his mission work is that he would go to a town square where the, the public would come through this particular area. And he would set up an easel on one side of the town square and he would draw some pictures and he would make some uh, sort of provocative comments about life and God, hoping to draw in a crowd and, and get people to, to engage just in a dialogue about faith, about religion, about God. And one day, a, a large crowd had gathered around as he explained it, and, and he said, a guy from the crowd said, hey, hey, buddy, God loves you, but everybody else thinks you're crazy. And, you know, sort of the, the, the rippling chuckles in the crowd. God loves you, but, you know, everybody else, all these people, we think you're crazy. Now, now, what would you say to that? I'd probably, like, take up my easel and go home. I mean, I'm not sure what I would say at that moment, but here's what this guy said, such a great response. Because the first thing you said was true, I can live with a second. Think about that. Because I know... I'm sold out that God loves me. I can live with the fact that some people think I'm crazy. This is exactly what's happening with, with Peter in Acts chapter 2. Some people are saying, hey, he, these guys are crazy. But Peter knows he's sold out to God's word. He's sold out to God's way. And so we're going to go through here and ask some questions. And my first question really is, are you sold out to God's word? I mean, ask yourself, have, have you been really transformed by the Word of God? And the second question is, is there some place, maybe some person, with courage, with confidence, not with confrontation, not, not, not screaming or yelling, but you need to stand up. You just need to stand up. Somebody's saying something and... It's your turn. Might be in a classroom, might be in a locker room, might be in a business room, might be in your home. But is there some place, because you, you really have trusted in God's Word, that, that He's asking you to be Peter in this moment, to, to stand up? And yes, some people are going to walk away and think you're crazy, but you're sold out to God's Word, and so you stand up. So the first place Peter has to learn to stand up is in the, in the face of this external criticism. The second place he has to learn to stand up is in Acts chapter 10. And he has to stand up against something that's really very difficult. It's a lifelong standing up, if you will, for Peter. 
in Acts chapter 10. He has to stand up against his own personal prejudices. Peter grew up in a culture. And the culture was the Jewish people were a chosen people. They were unique people. They were better than everybody else. And everybody else that wasn't Jewish was called a Gentile. You didn't associate with those people. You didn't eat with those people. You, you, all your, your habits were different than those people. And over time, what happened is the Jewish people began to look down at the Gentiles. And if you remember, if you go back to Acts chapter 2, when Peter promises that the, the promises of God are for all those who are far off, it turns out those who are far off actually aren't that far away. Acts chapter 10, Peter is in, taking an afternoon nap and he has this vision. And the vision is a sheet coming down from heaven and it's being held somehow by the four corners. And there's all kinds of animals in this sheet. And there's uh, animals, birds, and in the King James it says creepy things. I love that. Yours might say reptiles. But animals, birds, and, and creepy things are in this sheet. And Peter hears a voice. Peter, stand up. Stand up. Rise. Stand up. Stand up against your prejudice and eat this. Because you're going to be eating these things because you're going to be eating with the Gentiles is what God is informing Peter of. And Peter's like, no way. No way. I, those things and the people who eat those things, they're unclean. I wouldn't have anything to do with that, God. And at the same time, Peter gets a knock on the door. And it's some guys, it's some Gentiles from the house of a guy named Cornelius, who's a Roman soldier. Now this guy... He's a Roman soldier. This is as far away from a, a Jewish, Orthodox Jewish person as you could get. And these guys come and say, God's told us that we're supposed to come get you and you're supposed to come to Cornelius' house and preach the gospel. So after this vision, and Peter sees it three times, just a God's way of saying, Peter, this isn't uh, something you're making up. This is me speaking to you. He goes and he, he preaches. And in verse 28 of, of chapter 10, it says, You know, when he, st he stands inside the house, he says, You know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or eat with you. But then Peter preaches. And at the very end of his sermon, chapter 10, verse 45, The Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. An amazing moment. And Peter, and he's got his own uh, entourage, they're looking on, and all of his Jewish traveling companions, they're all amazed. And they stay there for a few days, and they actually eat together, it says, in the next few verses. So maybe this is where Peter has his very first barbecue sandwich. I mean, we don't know. But something happens here for Peter that he has to, he has to stand up against external critics but he has to also stand up against his internal prejudices because grace, real grace, eliminates prejudices. And that's what Peter has to, to learn. There's two transformations taking place in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius it needs the gospel to move towards Jesus. And Peter needs the gospel to move towards Cornelius. 
two different transformations happening because of the gospel. The Cornelius needs the gospel to move towards Jesus. Peter needs the gospel to move towards Cornelius. Now, this isn't a shocker. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is just like it. What does it say? Love your neighbor. So this, this, this action is taking place right here in chapter 10. And, Bri- and Peter, not, this isn't a surprise, he's such a brilliant pick by God for this assignment for, for many reasons. But Peter, don't you know, he's in touch with what it feels like to be far off. I mean, how, how far off do you think Peter felt after he denied Jesus three times? He knows what it feels like to feel like you're as far away as you can get. So Peter is a brilliant pick for, for this man. There's a pretty famous preacher in the early 1900s. His name is Harry Ironside. Great, great name for a preacher. And Harry told this story about his dad. His dad's name was John, and his dad was lying on his deathbed muttering something, but he was kind of whispering it. So, so he and his dad's best friend are kind of leaning in, Harry and his dad's best friend. They're trying to hear what he has to say. And John, Harry's dad, keeps saying this thing, a great sheet, wild beasts, and, and. And then he couldn't seem to finish the sentence. A great sheep, sheep, wild beast, and, and. And finally, his best friend leans down and says this, John, it says creepy things. And Ironside's dad responds, oh yes, that's how I got in. Just a poor for nothing creepy thing. Saved by grace. Love that. Peter personally understands he's a creepy thing he understands the only reason he's in is because he got saved by grace so here he is with Cornelius and he's got to stand on and stomp down his own prejudice because because of grace nobody nobody gets in because they're wonderful only people who get in are creepy people and Peter understands that and so Peter Peter, in Acts 10, he he learns that grace doesn't just vaporize sin. Grace vaporizes prejudice. This this would be a lifelong lesson for Peter. It's not a a one and done. He has to learn it over and over again in some hard places. And it's still a lesson that has to be learned today. So, So my next question is, how is it that God's grace vaporizes prejudice? And then is there any, any prejudice in your life that you need to stomp down, you need to stand on and not allow that to be a part of your way anymore? Third, third proof of purchase. Uh, Peter is sold out to God's word. Now how do we know that? Because he walks in in these ways. And the first way is he stands up against external criticism. The second thing is he has to stand up against his own internal prejudices. And third, in Acts chapter 15, 
Peter has to stand up against internal pressure from the church. You know, it's one thing to stand up against people who are on the outside, but now Peter has to stand up against people who, who are on the inside, people who are sitting in the same pews he's sitting in. Acts 15, we, we shouldn't be surprised that Peter's new affection for the Gentiles didn't translate into every heart in the congregation. There are always people in the church that say they love God's Word, but then they don't really want to follow in God's way. And many people didn't want the Gentiles to even come in. Why can't they just have their own church? But, I mean, if we're going to have to mix it up, the thing is that the Gentiles, if they come into our church, they've got to look like us. They've got to eat the same things that we have. They've got to wear the same things that we have. They've got to like the same music that we have. If they're going to come in, they have to look like us. They have to be formed into our image, not, not Christ's image. And this is the attitude Peter is faced with in Acts chapter 15. So look at with me, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verse 5. But some of the believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees, so these people have made some kind of commitment to Christ, but they, they also have a different allegiance to the party of the Pharisees, either the legalists. These are the people who want to make sure everybody looks just the same. And notice what it says, the they belong to the party of the Pharisees, rose up. So this is a power, power play. The people who are probably the smartest people in the room, they stand up. And of course, all the regular people go, these, these are the smart people. Is someone going to stand up to, to this group? Verse 7. Peter stood up. I mean, just circle that and love it. Peter stands up. This is where you can tell Peter's a different person. And notice what he says. Brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice. Oh, I love that. He's not standing up and saying, hey, here's what I think or here's what I experience. No, he's saying, guys, we're sold out to God here. This is what God is doing. So Peter's just standing up. He's not standing up for himself. He's not even standing up for the Gentiles. Peter is standing up for God himself. And notice down in verse 11, we will be saved by grace just like them. In other words, hey guys, men, women, we're all the same. Everybody in here is saved by grace. Everybody in here is a creepy thing. There, there isn't two, a two-tiered system. There's just one tier here, and we're all in that same tier. This is, this is stepping on the toes of the Pharisees for sure. In verse 12, all the assembly fell silent. Now, this is a long war, and this war, this internal war, war still is in the church today. But Peter wins, wins this battle. And every, men in every generation, men and women in every generation are going to have to summon the courage to stand up for God's Word. Not, not just against external critics, but against internal critics. There's no better illustration of this than the courage of Martin Luther King in the 1960s and specifically from his letter from a Birmingham jail. You might remember that 
King and, and a group of people were in Birmingham to protest the racism and segregation that's happening in Alabama. And he got arrested and put into a jail there. And from that jail, he wrote now a famous letter, a letter from a Birmingham jail. And if you haven't read it, or you haven't read it recently, before you start another Netflix series, just go on the internet and find it. It's really wonderfully written and very helpful even today. And I want, what I want you to know about the letter, if you don't, is he's not writing it to the general public. He's actually writing it in response to a letter the white clergy in Birmingham had written. So the white clergy all got together, wrote a letter and posted it in the newspaper so everybody could see it, and King saw it, he read it. And so he's responding, not to the general public, he's responding to people he considers on the inside. And let me read a few very well-spoken lines from that letter. Dear fellow clergymen, see this is Acts 15. This is an inside battle here, and Peter's standing up for really nearly the very same things Peter is, or King is standing up for, nearly the very same things uh, Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King was standing up for. Dear fellow clergymen, I, I came across your statement calling my present activities unwise and untimely. You seem to deplore our demonstrations, but show no concern for the conditions that brought about the demonstrations. You tell us to wait. We have waited for more than 340 years for our God-given rights. As I have traveled the length and breadth of Alabama and Mississippi, I've looked at the South's beautiful churches with their lofty spires pointing heavenward. Over and over I've found myself asking this, what kind of people worship here? Who is their God? Where are their voices to support the bruised and weary Negro man or woman who has decided to stand up? We will one day have to repent in this generation, not merely for the hateful words and actions of the bad people. Hear that? Not just the people on the outside, but for the appalling silence of the good people on the inside. If today's church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, Acts 15, it will lose its authenticity and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club. Mm. King was, was right, rightfully frustrated and disappointed with the people inside and it took courage for somebody who's on the inside to stand up and say, no, we're not going in that direction. See, in Acts 15, Peter had zero interest in building a church that pointed heavenward but failed to reach outward. That just didn't occur to Peter. He, there was no way to build a church that reached up to God in some magnificent way that didn't with equal energy reach out to people with great energy as well. See, Peter, is, he sold out to Jesus' word. And you can tell it because he walks in Jesus' way. So I wonder if you or I could identify any of the world's ways that have crept to inside the church. And what would be the best way to, to stand up against those things? 
last Easter Sunday, a, a life-changing deposit was made. Oh, so much greater than $8.2 million. Uh, the kind of deposit that's real. It's, it's unfading. It's unchanging. It's, it's not going to ever be defiled, and it's going to be guarded by God Himself. And that totally transformed the landscape of Peter's current life. And my question to you is, do you really trust God's Word? And if you do, are you finding yourself increasingly walking in His way? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we don't want to be just hearers of the Word, but doers as well. And so I pray for this passage and this, this sort of scan of the landscape of Peter's life that, that somewhere along this scan, you have wanted us to, to stop and pay attention and say to, to my soul, to every soul listening, hey, this, this, you need to pay attention to this. You need to stand up right here, right now. I'm asking you to do that right now against some external critic, some personal prejudice, some internal critic. Lord, I pray that Christ Community Church would never be a, a church that, that builds a spire pointing heavenward and trusting in God's Word and yet not have the feet and the courage to walk it out in your way. Would you bless your people today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace.